Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Sunday afternoon, and I'm going to go out of order this week uh, to do the tefillah one today. Um, fortunately, I can do it in any order I want. Uh, and the reason is because, on several reasons, but uh, uh, Saul Stefanski asked me a question about Mechaim Mason Rachami Rabbi about the second paragraph that I was speaking about last time. It actually stimulated a lot of thought. So I want to talk about it today in a kind of a serious way. Uh, I do want to say that uh, uh, the Stefanskis told me that they had that they had a friend who was one of the Carbonus in Merun, which is a crazy story. Um, I don't want to comment too much about that. My son was there, and thank God left 20 minutes before the stampede. But uh, as we know, there are people who weren't that lucky. And uh, there's a lot to say on that subject, but like I said before, I'll hold myself back. Uh, now it's more of a time of, uh, you know, that's more appropriate. Um, but I do uh, want to ex- express condolences to the, the friend, you know, to all the people, obviously, that are in, in mourning now. As I was saying, uh, he asked me a question. Why was there, or let me ask the question, raise the, raise the interesting observation. Uh, I mentioned last time that... Uh, that's the other way of approaching God, which the Chazal put first. But uh, then there came the theology one, where you try to describe God, at least in some broad brushstrokes. The whole second <coughs> prayer <coughs> paragraph is kind of dominated, not simply by theology, but uh, by Tchis Mason. There you go again. It's all about which is just interesting. And uh, he's saying, why, why, why are they pressing this? Why don't you simply talk about God's uh, omnipotence in other ways? Uh, it's true, we hold from that's such a central business. It sounds, that's a very good question. It sounds like there was something going on at the time that the Shema was made, in which there was something controversial or well otherwise, and they want to hammer home the notion of Tchis HaMesim. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, at least, I thought the observation was interesting, and it stimulated me thinking. You know, when you get to graduate school, the questions are much more important than the answers. Good questions are the best thing in the world, because there's a lot of answers you can give to a question, but the question raises you know, the point. Um, at the time, the Shemonesi is put together, in the form that you and I have it today, which is after the Korm Beis Amigdash, time of the first Tanoim, you know, Shem Pekuli, Gamliel, and the Shemola Cotton. It's all in the decades following the Korm Beis Amigdash, when it became clear, as I tried to argue before, at least in my opinion, all I can ever tell you is my opinion, that once the Beis Amigdash is gone, then the, then the, then the davening becomes the central, right? 
It's not, uh, uh, you know, ancillary to what's going on in the temple, as had been the case before then, but it becomes the Iker way of Avodah Sashem. Now, um, not the Avodah, the Karbonas anymore, you know. So at that point, you see the Chazal already working to standardize and get a certain point. And as I say, nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything has a historical context, even if it's beyond history as well. And um, it's just kind of interesting, you know. Uh, now, at the time, let me put it this way. Questions of what happens to you after you die are old. And nobody knows, right? Nobody knows. Knows it's not empirically able to see. And as long as there's ever been people, you know, questions are raised, at least by skeptics. Who knows? Maybe he dies all over. Uh, let me put it this way. Shlomo Mel talks like this in Kohelis. It's very famous. Amartya and Nebelibi in chapter 3. Al-Dibbers b'nei Odin, l'boi l'hima, I talk about people. Shehem behema, hemel hemem, like behemas. What happens to an animal that dies? It's all over, the lights turn out, that's it. Ki mikre b'nei Odin, o mikre behema, o mikre echad lohem, kemos zeh, kemos zeh, v'ruach echad lakol, o moser on mina behema, ki hakol hovel. What does that say? It's the third parakakualis. Mikra b'neyodam, mikra behema, mikra echad lahem. It's the same fate for a person and a behema. Kamose, kamose, ruch echad akol. Umoser amin a behema, ayin ki akol havel. He's saying when you die, it's all over. Hakol holich el makam echad. Hakol hoyam in offer. Hakol shava el offer. And he says, befeus, mi yodea ruch b'neyodam. Oli lamaila, ruch behema, you were to see lamata arts. Does a person go up and the, the behema go down? Who knows? You know, this is one of the things why um, they didn't like Yiches, I mean the book of Koalas. No question about it, right? Things like this, obviously, when the time came to question whether you use Koalas and Tanakh, I told you before, it was controversial. It was a vote. It survived the vote. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in there. Send up a corsish, as the expression goes. And these are a part of them. Now, it's possible to read the Pesukim in a certain way. Uh, if you want to re- see a uh, rabbinic way of reading Koalas, just look at the Medish Rabbah. They'll take every pusik and twist it around like a pretzel. But if somebody reads it straight, like I said before, Mikrezek, Kamikrezek, Kamosek, Kamosek. And he's saying like this, who knows what happens? Now, I want to tell you something. In the Bayashani period, you know, we say that Koalas from Shlomo Melch. The Bible critics tell you from the Bayashani period. At time Bayashani, this was a hot, hot button item. Uh, you used to have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Prussians, I tell you, the question well, I like very much. I hope I didn't stop anything here. Uh, the sensible, again, I was saying, uh, did I interrupt myself? I hope not. What I was saying, uh, I just did that thing on Kohelis. Anyway, who know, uh, uh, the period before Bayashani, destruction by Shani, you had the Prussian and Sadukim. You know that. The Pharisees and Sadducees. What exactly were the Pharisees and Sadducees? It's not Pashat. Okay? It's not Pashat at all. Because, um, let's put it this way. Uh, we don't have a lot of evidence. Uh, we know that in the Gemara, we're the Prussian, they're the Sadukim, we hate them, we shock them, they shock us, and so forth and so on. If you get into, uh, what shall I say? The Megillus Tinus, and then you get more into Josephus, and then you get a little bit more about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, if you read the Doris Roshanim, or the Avigdor Miller uh, translation of Doris Roshanim, reworking of Doris Roshanim, 
he gives a cynical interpretation of who the Pharisees and Sadducees is. You know, he would say that the Sadducees, the Tzadukim, had no theology, no philosophy whatsoever. It was just about power and politics. All right. But it doesn't sound like that from Josephus, who lived at that time. And one of the Iker points he makes, very famous in Antiquities, is that the Mamish argue over what, what we just read in Kohelis. I told you, that's why the Bible critics say the Kohelis is from the Bayashani. Because it sounds like Sadukim, you understand? Listen what, uh, I'm just reading very briefly uh, from Josephus over here, where he says, the doctrine of the Sadducees is, the souls die with the bodies. That's it. Mamish, what you read over here? Commit Rizet, commit Rizet. Neither regard to anything that the law enjoins them. Okay? And he says they're into philosophy. Okay? You know, they uh, they think an instance of virtue, dispute with teachers of philosophy whom they frequent. They like to hang around philosophy guys and hawk with them. And very interesting, Josephus says, they can't do anything for themselves because when they become magistrates, when they become Dionian, uh they are unwillingly and by force obliged to be, like to, 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 to addict themselves to the notions of the Pharisees because the Hamonam would not bear them otherwise. So this has to do with those of you who are learning Yuma now. You understand? Those of you, uh, 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 those who are doing Yuma now are, um, you know, sometimes they talk about the Congodal and swearing and this, that, and the other. You sometimes had Sadducee high priests, but they were compelled by Hamonam to, you know, follow the, uh, the, the Pharisee one. Anyhow, listen to this. As for the, I'm reading Josephus. As for the Pharisees, they live meanly and despise delicacies and diet. In other words, they live a stoic life. You know what I mean? Histopkis, as we would say today. Okay, and they follow the contract of reason, etc., 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 and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, here it is. They also believe that souls have an immortal vigor in them. Now, I'm reading you something that was written exactly at the same time that the Shemona was put together, in the period after the Baishani. You know, Josephus wrote his his uh, book, uh, you know, five years, ten years, something like that, twenty years after the Churm Basin Megish. That's the time of the Tanoim, Rabbi Gamliel, and all the others. This is when the, the Tfilos, the Amido, the Tfilah, was put together. So I'll say it again. Josephus is saying, where is it? They also believe the souls have an immortal vigor in them, and that under the earth there will be rewards or punishments. Accordingly, they live their lives viciously or viciously in life. And uh, they'll be punished and so on and so forth. Which means, they believe that there's a immortal soul. Okay? Uh, uh, when, better yet. And the latter believe to attain the prison. But the former shall have power to revive and live again. That's Tchiyas that's Amesim. There'll be a resurrection of the dead. Okay? So this was a hot button item. If this is true... Now, you'll see, Victor Miller, they're, they, they're skeptical because they have this political agenda and they don't know if this is really true. But at least Josephus is telling you long ago that there were arguments among the Jews, the Prussian and Sadukim, precisely over the question of Chiesa Mason, which would possibly explain why, when they're putting together the Tfilos, they're pounding this in. Let me say this. When the base of Mason was destroyed, we don't hear from the Tzedukim anymore. Which is interesting. Now, it could be, but you know, we hear from Sadukim because the only writings we have are from the Prushim. There's no history written by Jews of any substantial form or even little describing life among the Jews after the Churm Basin Megish, 
other than Chazal. Okay? In other words, there's no Josephus after Josephus, so to speak, which is just interesting. So, there's two ways of understanding that. So I'm talking about, let's say, from the year 70 to the next 100, 200 years, to year 270, 370, in Israel, in Eretz Israel. We don't have any quote-unquote non-from person writing anything about what's going on in Israel. At least, it doesn't come to my mind. Okay? You can find Gaim writing about certain little things going on in Israel. I told you, get the Menachem Stern book about the Greek and Roman um, authors of Stutzach in Israel. You know, there's a certain amount of that, especially the political ones, you know, with the Bar Kochman and all that. But you don't find anybody describing what Yiddishkeit was like from the year 70 on. Except for Chazal. Okay? The Mishnah, the Tosefta, and so forth. Well, the Chazal is not going to tell you um, about the Tzedukim or anybody else. That's not their style. Except once in a while, the Distem. So, were there sectarian groups among the Jews uh, after the Chorim Beis Amigdash? Or did they just leave the scene? Again, the Doris Rishonim and Victor Miller argue that they left the scene. That's part of their argument. The whole thing was cynical. Once the base of Mishra was destroyed, there was no power centers in Israel. There was nothing in terms of Gashmias that would attract cynical, materialistic type of political, uh, uh, you know, uh, political ambitious types. And so they just push it left us. You get it? Uh, which means they converted or something like that. They disappeared from the scene. So that, whereas prior to the Chorim Beis Amigdash, the life in Eretz Yisrael was plagued by the Sadukim and other types of Herodians and other types of groups. It's like poisoned every the atmosphere and messed up their relation with the Romans, etc., etc., etc. By contrast, once the basin was destroyed, you got rid of them. You know what it's like? It's all going to be zero-sum games nowadays. They say, give it another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there'll be no reform, conservative left. They'll all just intermarry and they'll disappear from the scene and uh, and then it won't be a problem anymore. You know, that, that way of thinking, Right? So that's uh, the way the Dose Rishonim is projecting on there. And it could be very well be true. Alternatively, not. It's just interesting to me in this context that when they're in the 70s or 80s or 90s, basically just during your 70, uh, when they're putting together Shemona Estri and trying to make it a Matveya for the whole Klai's role, which they will eventually succeed in doing, as you know, this will come, excuse me, not overnight, universally accepted as the... Um, as the um, prayer form. So right there in the second one, that's just interesting. You know, that's a powerful, that's a powerful statement. Now, um, and it like crushes out all the uh, opposition. Now, I'll tell you, I was thinking also, by the way, that, uh, you know, the Jews are now under the control of the Romans in a big way, especially after Beis is destroyed. And the period... When you have the Shmonastri uh, put together, I think would more or less be in the during the reign of the Emperor Domitian, Domitianus. So, in other words, uh, the Roman Empire started with uh, you know Augustus Caesar, and then you have the first guys up to Nero, you know Augustus, and then uh, Tiberius, and uh, what's his name Caligula, and Claudius, and Nero. And the base of Mishra was destroyed in the time of Nero. And then you had the three emperors fight each other. And then you had the Flavian dynasty. So Vespasian, Aspasionis, was the emperor from 70 to 80. So notice he was the emperor in Rome when his son Titus 
story to base on Megdush. Then Titus was in for two years from 82. And then from 82 to 96, I think, or 97, was Domitian, Domitianus. And he was a real mumser and a half. And he he persecuted Jews and killed some of the Chachamim. Um, the reason I'm saying that is that the 80, years 82 to 96 would be around the time when they're putting together the Shmanasrei. And it's just interesting to me that um, you have some famous cases during his time of Roman big shots who converted Judaism. The famous senator of Flavius Clemens, for example, was executed by the emperor Domitian for the crime of Judaism because for a Roman senator is beyond the hill of Rome for a person to, to, to switch to the to religion of Jews. Bad enough that Jews have the religion of Jews, but a Roman should do so. And Chaimis and he and his wife, I think, were both uh, killed. And uh, there are stories of this in the Gemara. They use different names, Katia or some, whatever. And they talk about, um, you know, remember that story uh, where he saved the Chaim and then he circumcised himself before he was executed, something like that. Jumped off a roof, I don't remember offhand the story. But you can uh, look it up. And all I'm saying is, so it's just interesting, um, the Romans... And the educated Greeks uh, don't believe in Tchisa Mason. Um, now, they did believe in the immortality of the soul, uh, which is a different thing. Okay, It's related, but it's not identical. There's like three ways of looking at this. One way is what I mentioned in Kohelis and the Sadducees. You live, and then you die, and it's over. You turn out the lights. Uh, so it knows there's no Skarva Onish, no nothing. It's just over. Now, obviously, and it means there's no pain, no nothing. It's just over. Existence ceases. You know, for a lot of people, it's very attractive. Uh, that is the opinion of an atheist, for example. The only thing is, then it's not clear why she, why you want to live. Why don't you just shoot yourself? Uh, right? Hold on. Hi, and interrupt it. Uh, what I was saying was, I remember reading Napoleon... Uh, came from a Catholic family, but then as a young age, he went to military school, and he was a math and science expert, and very logical, and I think he writes this. At a young age, like teenage, he came to the conclusion, atheism. Then, he said like this, then he had to wrestle with himself for six months, or something like that, why not just kill yourself right now? Because pure logic indicates, heck with it, literally to hell with it, you know what I mean? If there's nothing there, why go through the whole life? And then he decided in the end, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens if I live. And the result was Napoleon. But, uh, you know, if people believe that there's nothing, there are a lot of consequences to that. Okay? Now, that's one way. The second way is to say like this. There's immortality of soul. It's known as when you die, that's a physical death, but the soul lives on in some form or another. Uh, could be Skarbonish, could be something. Let's say it's a Skarbonish. So knows you go to heaven or hell. A third thing is, you come back in your goof. Which is what the Chazal... Notice, that's what we say. I mean, that, that's what you're talking about. means not that your soul is you know, suffering or being rewarded in some other state of existence, but you come back as a goof. Okay? There's an emphasis on the resurrection side of this. Not simply on the on the Scharvoni side. Now, uh, that's kind of interesting, because why didn't they formulate it in uh, in the forms of Scharbonish? You know, after you talk about all those, 
then you, I could write it, you could write it, then you say, you know, uh, Meshalem Lesonov, you know, um, I mean, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, there's a lot of words you can say if you want to describe who God is. But they didn't go with the simple root of Scarbonish. They said, no, it's a Machai Mesim. So uh, this is what he was asking me. So obviously that must have been a point they want to pound home, uh, even though the Tchis Mesim, as we all know, is not mentioned explicitly in the Tanakh. Not really. Uh, not really. Now, plus, it kind of makes no sense. And this is why the Romans and the Greeks and the other intelligent people at that time wouldn't, wouldn't go for it. And the Chazal are emphasizing it anyway. Uh, listen closely. Um, you live, you die. From Jew. You live, you die. Let's say you were good. You go to heaven. That's it. You're 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 in a bliss. You know, you're you're as we say, one second of the of the of this schar in heaven is worth all the Olam Hazah. One second. So what do you want to change for? Let's say a person was a tzaddik, right? And they are zocha to get to uh, the reward. Let's say it's Ghanaian, call it whatever you want to call it. Okay? Call it whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is, it's unbelievable. Okay? Now, um, whew, what what more do you need? You want to come back as a goof? Why? Why would you want that? I mean, how, that's that's a, a basis. Better to live in a spiritual state. You hear the word. Now, um, that's a good question. I'm not sure there are any good answers to that. In spite of what I just said, uh, this is, they're insisting, Now, in the uh, Middle Ages, when the Jews got to some degree, uh, theological, philosophical, not a lot, but some, this was a huge uh, football, because um, the Rambam, as we all know, wrote uh, two main Torah books, A and B. One is the uh, Pirish Mishnah, and the other one is the Mishnah Torah. I'm putting the Mordebuchim, which he wrote later in life, aside. So there's two big, big uh, Judaism books, or Torah books. It was the Pirish Mishnahs, which he wrote when he was relatively young, in his 20s and early 30s, late teens, and then the Mishnah Torah. Um, in the... Uh, Mishnah book, Pish Mishnayis. So, uh, yeah, the Rambam uh, does discuss these questions of resurrection or or bliss. As we would say today, you know, Scharva uh, Onish versus Tchisa Mason, literal Tchisa Mason. And in his famous essay on the introduction Parakalic, which I've done many times in the past, um, he does the 13 principles, Yud Gimel Ikrim. And one of them is, uh, as we all know, uh, right? in, in the original Arabic, it's a little longer. If you ever get the, uh, the, 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 the Rambam, Am, you know, you get the, uh, the, the, the full Nusach over there. Uh, and, and he says, Tchiyas Hamesim Kvar Be'arnuha that uh, I discussed Tchiyas Hamesim uh, earlier in the essay. So you have to read the essay called Introduction Berchelik. And there, and the Ram's a philosopher, I mean that in the best sense of the term. So he's thinking things through. 
and uh, trying to burn out all the mistakes as he sees it at Hamonam. And a focus on physical resurrection can lead to absurdities, which is like a major part of his... Uh, by the way, it's a wonderful essay. You need something to do on Shavuot's night? If you're up, I will strongly recommend you do the Akdam Per Uh You'll have a lot of fun. I've done these things many years on Shavuot's nights and that sort of thing. And just listen to the beginning of it. Ra'isi Ladaber Kam is his peerish on Kol Yisrael Yeshel Mechelech Olam Haba. Ikrim Rabim Be'amuna Gedolim Be'amuna Be'amuna very important points of Judaism. Have a day, Kibalia Torah, Nechlu Bdeoseu, from Jews, Balia Torah means even Talmudic scholars, not that they're good in philosophy, in Hashkov, you know, they're, they're not sophisticated in Hashkov, but they're Bali Torah. Nechlu Kudeoseu, Batovish, Tegilon, Basis, and Mitzvahs. They're arguing over what's the, what's the scar for Mitzvahs. Uberosha, Timsuk, Shiavralim. And what's the Onish for not? Machlokus, Rabbos, Maod, Lefish, Tanus, Echlam. And they have a lot of arguments based on the uh, varying nature of their IQ. And they're all wrong. Or let's put it this way. There's a lot of mistakes out there and mixed up ideas. Now, this is a translation from the Arabic. It's hard to find anybody who has any clerk. Like, you ask a guy, what's the difference between Ganadin and Tchisa Mason and Moshe Mashiach and Tzchar Vonesh and, uh, and uh, you know, all these sorts of things. Nobody has any fixed and, and, and strong ideas uh, uh, on these subjects, unless they got them wrong. <laughs> and he goes and lists. He says there are different groups out there that he meets. Some people think that when you do mitzvahs, you end up with ganadin. And ganadin is a place that's at Disneyland. You understand? In other words, you die, and then they take you, and they put you alive in some way, in a place called Ganadin, where you live it up for the rest of existence. It's the uh, what do you call it? It's the Islamic paradise. You know, wine, women, and song. Naharis Moshchus Yayin, Shmona Busamim, rivers flowing with wine. And so on and so forth. So basically. If you're Zoha, you end up in a in a, 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 a sensual paradise. And if you're wicked, you end up in a sensual hell. And, and he says you can bring rise to that. Vakachnia, sober, and others say, no, the thing you, if you keep mitzvahs, you get to Yemosa Mashiach. You'll make it to the Messianic era, which is a time, people will be immortal, like angels, kulam chayom lot. We will all turn tall, dark, and handsome. We'll cover the earth. Mashiach will be, you know, a, a great person. And and there will be um, all kinds of supernatural goodies out there. Um, and so on and so forth. They sing if you do mitzvahs, you end up with Tchiyas HaMesim. Resurrected. Biachim Krov Mene Beso. Notice, Dos is the reward. You lived a good life and you get to see your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. You can meet Adam Arisha and so on and so forth. And that's it. So, in other words, there'll be a time of physical resurrection and everybody who's Zoha will be there. And like I said before, you'll meet your Zaydi Zaydi. You, know, you really will. 
uh, and that's the reward, and those who are wicked won't get to that. And the others hold the Kat Ravias and Kachamishas and so on and so forth. The Kat Ravias is if you do mitzvah, you get Menuchas Aguf, Hasagas Atavis Bolam Haza, you get to be rich and powerful in this world. Rov Bonama, Rikas Yamim, Rikas Chaim, Brias Aguf, and so on and so forth. And Amelch Vashultan Yisrael, end of anti Semitism, heck with the anti Semites, and so on and so forth. These are all submission and wrong. And uh, some make a combination of all those. So you see, uh, and, and by the way, he says, over he's making fun of these people. Um, they make a child out of the whole thing. And they say, I'm a righteous person. Here's what I want. Plus, where we should have all the sensual things, plus the good health, and so on and so forth. I will do on the kuda on the floor, Olam Haba, but if you ask somebody, what's Olam Haba? Very few people ever think of what it means. And uh, is it a, a, a noun or a verb or or an adjective? Is it the final reward or, or a step on the way? Uh, notice they don't ask the philosophical questions to define the terms. Instead, what you find is everybody, including the Mavinim, Hahamon, Vamavinim. Including the rabbis, they want to know details of the chiasamesim. Hechi akuma mesim. When they come back, arumim or levushim, are they coming back naked or wearing clothes? Im yam dos tachrich hadnigbrahem, are they going to come back? Is the tachrichim we buried them in? Brit musrim sirusim yovich virasim. You know we made special tachrichim for them. Are they going to use that? Ob malbish sheichasigub bevad, or they just everybody going to have like a sheet? Kshiyam mashiach insham beasher dal. So. This is called a simplistic approach to Tzchisa Mason. Nevertheless, he says it's one of the 13 principles. And yet, at the same time, uh, when he wrote the Mishnah Torah, which is the second Torah book that he wrote, as we all know, um, so he seems to, he was taken and criticized, the Rambam was, for seeming to indicate that he doesn't believe in a Tchiyas HaMesim, but rather he just believes in the immortality of the soul. Even though the Rambam is saying, it's part of the davening, but do you undertake, do you understand that, do you understand that to mean that there'll be uh, literally a Tchiyas HaMesim, a physical resurrection, or some other kind of resurrection. Uh, in in it's a very famous rivet. I mean, it's not it's not me talking. I want you to listen closely to this. If you look in Hilchus Chuvin Perik Shmini, uh, the Rambam there crunches in Perik Shmini. He crunches together um, this whole essay on Hakdam the Perik What he does by Arichus in the Perik Mishnais. He he, he uh, crystallizes, he condenses in the eighth parak of Hilchus Shuvah. If if you want to go that way, uh, I think it's cool to do the one and then the other. First, you do the Mishnah, so then you read inside. Then you see how the Rambam, uh, you know, sort of self censors, uh, not self censors, but you know, reworks. It's like taking a dissertation, and turning it into a book, which is very hard. And uh, he says over here, Hatovat uh, Sunas Hadikim B'Chayolam Haba talks about Olam Haba, and then he says like this, Olam Haba, this is the Rambam in Hilchus Chuba, 
There's no bodies. So it'll be immortality of the soul. The neshama will be there, right? The nefshes And that's what's going to have the schar. Since there'll be no physical goof. Nothing physical there. And therefore, there will be nothing physical about the tzaddik in Olam Haba. You won't have you know such thing as standing and sitting. Meaning, there's nothing physical, and you won't even have the emotions that we have. Uh, you know, depression and, and joy. That's what the Chachamim when they say Olam Haba in Lo Achilo Shtei Lo Tashish Al Tzadikim Yoshim Al Kriyasim Barashim Benen Meziv Ashkina. Okay, and he goes on in all this. All right, I got no problem with that, but the Rivet does. The Rivet says Am Ravam Divri Oisha Hazeb Einai. When I read this in the Rambam, Krovim Lamisha Omer Ein Tchias Amesim Legufos El Neshamus Bovad. It sounds to me like the Rambam does not believe in physical resurrection, but rather. Um, a cult, soul resurrection. That's not even the right word. It's for the the tchias amesil being for neshamas. So, in other words, when you say you mean in the sense that the neshama will somehow or other be revived. It's not revive isn't the right word, right? I'm not sure we have an English term for this, even though we translate in the article sitters like that. But would be to uh, invigorate the mason or vivify them in some sense. No, it's give them a different uh, type of existence, a gavaldic existence. Uh, that's what it sounds to me. V'chai Roshi, and the Riva goes on to critically say, V'chai Roshi, I swear by my life, lo hoyadas chazal zeh. That's not what the opinion of chazal had in mind. They meant physical resurrection. Shariyam Riksu, this is all in the Riva over here. At the bottom of the uh, the Ram Hilchas Chuba, but Hachari Amr Bixuvis they say in the Gemara Asidin Sadikin Sheyandu Belvushem Kalvachem Mechita the Chacha the Sadikin will come back wearing clothes which he understands literally. V'chena Mitzav Levneim I'll take Bruni Bekelim Levanim Eloshchem Shem Eske. Remember he said, "Don't bury me white or or black because I don't know how I'm coming back." Meaning he he figured he's coming back in the Tachrichim. V'chena Amr Shlo Yeshua Shuvat Sadikin Lafer Elam Deviyosam. See, you have different agatas which describe a physical resurrection and then, you know, repairing the problems with the goofs then. Says the Ravid, they're coming back as a goof. Now, how? You'll come back as a goof but a goof in an invigorated and stronger form. So there will be physical, but not exactly necessarily physical as I am and you are now. I have aches and pains and this and that and the other. Maybe we'll come back like a certain Superman of some type or another. Kigvias hamalochim, right? Maybe we'll come back like the angels, which he see over here, he holds that the angels are not spiritual beings, uh, but they're physical in some sense or another. I think that's fascinating. Or maybe like the body of the prophet Elijah. Remember it says, Eliyahu went to Shemayim in, um, in a chariot of fire. Uh, what does that mean? Let's put it this way. You can't go to heaven 
Heaven's not a place. Right? It's a state of being. So therefore, he didn't actually physically get in a chariot of fire and go to heaven. It's expression. And it's expression that means it was translated to a different plane of existence. We've discussed this in the past. So, on the other hand, because Eliyahu didn't die exactly, so he can come back. That's why we talk about Eliyahu Novi showing up all the time. You don't, you ever notice, you never say, like, it's Elisha's, uh, the prophet Elisha saved him, or uh, the prophet Jonah saved him. You say, Eliyahu showed up, Eliyahu Novi, because he's the one who says he didn't exactly die. Uh, so, the rivet is suggesting there's a possibility. Maybe we'll all be like that. Uh, means we'll all be like a, some sort of Eliyahu-like existence in which you won't be alive, you won't be dead, you'll be in the middle, but uh, uh, superior to both. And maybe we'll wear crowns. Maybe they're Atars Roshan. Maybe we'll all go around with some kind of glorious crowns. Right? So he took the Rambam and saying, you know, um, as, in, as, as seeming to indicate, he doesn't believe in a physical resurrection. So when you say, he seems to understand the Rambam to mean that, um, because the Rambam Davin, he's got, I don't know if you notice, in the Mishnah Torah, they got the whole sitter. You know, obviously the Rambam Davin, so when he says, he said those words, right? And even, you know, besides the fact they made it part of his, uh, uh, what he calls, you know, 13 uh, principles. So, you see how unusual this subject is? Now, the Rambam, by the way, uh, if you know the history of Maimonides, and I'm planning, if things work out, at the end of this, later in the summer, in three weeks, I always do a lecture series here in Baltimore uh, on some sad event of Jewish history. I'm thinking of doing the Maimonides, possibly doing the Maimonidean controversies, uh, in which case this will pop up as part of it, because one of the things the Rambam was accused of by the Riven and others, and the Ramban, I might say, who really uh, goes after him in the end of the Shar HaGamul. I told you, you can get that nice set now with the Nakudos. Uh, you look at the end, and boy, oh boy, he goes to town with the Ram- Rambam. He said he meant well, but he screwed up. That's what the Ramban says about the Rambam uh, on this subject. And uh, in the t- lifetime of the Rambam, these words were taken by his enemies, especially the Gon in, in, in Baghdad, the Shmuel Ben Eli, to say he doesn't believe in in Tchisa Mason, in, in the goof sense. And the Rambam wrote a whole Igaris, uh, um, um, a, a contrast, you'd say, an essay, Mimer, in Arabic, to say, no, he does. Right? And by the way, there he says Elio died. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. He understands Elio did die. And uh, and he says over there, you can't bring a ride from people like Elio that people, there'll be a, a different type of goof, an invigorated sort of goof, because... Uh, Moshe and Elio could were the only people ever mentioned that they could go for forty days or forty nights without uh, food, and that was a special case. Um, it's a whole complicated subject, and I would say that's probably the most difficult of the Rambam's, in my opinion, essays to negotiate because he goes back and forth on this. And very famously, by the time it's over, the Rambam is actually saying. That uh, in the long, long term, there is no physical resurrection. In the short term, there is. Just take my word for it, if you don't know this already. Um, what it means is that uh, you live, you die. Eventually, you get resurrected as a goof, if you're Zoha. You live so in, uh, in this world, so you see all your relatives. Uh, 
and then you die. Okay? Uh, and then you live on forever. Ever, you die after having lived a good life. You know, a very satisfying life. And then you, you live on forever as a neshama. Notice, then you, 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 you are, you know, you know what I'm saying? You live in bliss. In Ganadin. Uh, Rambam, that might not be the right word to use, because he's like into Ganadin being a physical place. But the bottom line is, you live a spiritual existence, if I can use that expression. And what's the problem with that? Like I said before, you have more hano in a spiritual existence by far than in a physical one. So what do you call needed for? And this is how the Rambam articulates this all in, in, in a complicated way in his Igeris Trias Mason. If you're, again, if you're, if you're a brainiac, you could read that on Shuwa's Night. I wouldn't recommend it for the average person. Um, and uh, so it comes out funny. What does that mean? Okay? What does that mean? And it's impossible for you and I to figure out what the authors of the Shemana Esri meant, because here's the Rambam, for example, versus the Ramban, arguing over precisely that issue. Because Ramban strongly disagrees with everything I just mentioned. And he says, no, you will come back and live forever in some physical way. And uh, it'll be, again, an exalted way. Uh, it won't be stomach goof exactly the way you have it now, but it'll be a goof. Okay? And um, it'll it'll be amazing, you know? I have in front of me, that's too long to read, but uh, he says, you know, near the end, and again, he goes on and on to, to attack the Rambam on this. Uh this is um, Ramban talking, the end of Shargmul. And by the way, the Rambam, by the way, I just want you to know, says that there will be the Tchiyas HaMesim during the time of Mashiach. I, in the Mishnah Torah, says the Mashiach doesn't have to do Miracles and stuff like that, or do mesim. That just means that Mashiach doesn't have to establish his bona fides by performing resurrections. But somewhere in the time Mashiach will be a resurrection. So that's another issue of contention. Uh, but anyway, you would have said, that means you will live on forever as a physical person in some higher state of consciousness or being. Uh, so, all I'm trying to say today is that when they put this in in the second paragraph in the Shemonestra and they said, you know, uh, resurrection, all the rest of it, Obviously, these ideas must have been controversial at the time, and they wanted to get the Jewish point of view across. Because you have those who say there's nothing after death. Like I say, the lights go out. You have those who say there's immortality, the soul, there's no Tchiyas uh, HaMesim, doesn't need to be. And you have the opinion that it's a Tchiyas HaMesim, and uh, they wanted to stamp out the other opinions. There were, you know, if you look at the Chazals, the people, especially, let me put it this way, uh, I find it interesting that, uh, say, Rabbi Akiva, for example, would be discussing occasionally uh, controversial philosophical notions, such as the idea Bechira, because Rabbi Akiva says in the Perkei Yavis, Hakol Tzafoy, Varshus Nesunah. 
right? Hakol Savi Rishus Nesun in Perik Gimel, in Perik Yavis, which means there's Yidi and there's Bechir, there's free will, but there's also predestination. I how do you work that out if it's, if it's already predestined? You work it out. No, you do or you don't. In other words, whatever answer you give, hear what I'm saying? Whatever answer you give, nevertheless, it's true. Hakol Safi Harshus Nesuno. Now, you don't have to read it that way. Rashi actually reads that in a different way. But the Rambam and many others, especially the Rambam in um, at the end of the Shemona Prakim, if you're interested in that subject, he goes on that great detail and he gives philosophical ways of trying to understand what it means. I won't go into that now. I'm not going to do this right now. I already talked too long as it is today. But um, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, they do... Um, let's put it this way, establish, you know, uh, theological ideas, which obviously must have been at play. And to be perfectly honest, it's not just Rabbi Kiva. Josephus, in describing the Pharisees, and he's writing around the same time, but he's describing an old phenomenon, he says, uh, what does Josephus say? When they determine that all things are done by fate, they do not take away the freedom from men of acting as they see fit. Uh, since their notion is it please God to make a temperament, where what he wills is done, but so the will of man can act virtuously or viciously. That's old-fashioned English and Greek. For there's, uh, you know, Yedea, but there's also Bechira. You see? So that would be an example of fundamental philosophical and theological ideas which were in debate, apparently, at the time when the Shemun Esri was originally put together. Um, it is true that the second uh, paragraph seems to be pounding this Tchiyas uh, Amesim business much more than the others. It's true it says so, yes, it does say that, but so much of it is is the Tchiyas Amesim part. So I just thought that's interesting, because as I said before, the question raises uh, very nice uh, issues, very thoughtful questions about what was the matzah of people at the time that the Shemona is put together. There's no question and of all the Jewish communities and synagogues scattered throughout Israel and the Roman world, the Greco-Roman world, there probably were a lot of uh, incorrect hashkavas floating around and these sorts of things. If people like the Rambam and the Ramban and the Ravid are arguing of this, uh, and they all believe in Tchizamin, so you can imagine what kind of syncretistic ideas were floating out there uh, in the in Velt, as they say, in the unregulated synagogues. But in the end... Thanks to the power of uh, historical events and the power of the of the Shemun Esri to uh, spread across the Jewish people, little by little, it became clear that there's no uh, compromising on um, on the idea of a, of a, of a of some sort of some sort. As I just pointed out to you, it's not so clear if they're talking about immortality of soul or physical resurrection that kind of thing, as the Rambam in his writings you know, uh, argues back and forth, as I mentioned before. But we certainly don't hold, like it says in Coelho's, you know, who knows, you know, when, when you die, it's all over, and the lights go out. Uh, there's no more existence, because uh, that, of course, kills the whole Schaer Bonish, and that is not a, a, a Jewish teaching. Uh, anyway, I thought that these, uh, that, that's an interesting thing to consider when you approach the second parak of the Shemun Esrei. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at 
www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.